Hope you're all well. Like Paul says, we're continuing the series One Anothering, and the last few weeks Paul started it off with talking about breathing new life, and then Becky went into um, One Anothering with regards to love. Ben last week spoke with regards to growing and this week I'm looking at serving and that's part of our vision of who we are that we we're a people who love who grow and who serve so we're trying to bring that in with the one another and how important it is to one another thank you and you know I think it's probably 12 months ago when Paul preached and he talked about an you talked about a baby being born, and when a baby's born, um, a baby demands and it cries and it needs things. It wants its nappy changing, it wants some milk, it wants to be clean, it wants to be held. And he said, babies don't, don't come out of the womb and go, hi, I'm here to help. But what he was saying to us is we don't have to be like that. We can step into and know God and we can all of a sudden, we don't have to demand and cry and want things from other people. But as Christians and as people, we can be here to say, hi, I'm here to help. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And you know, so often it's really difficult to say, hi, I'm here to help because we don't actually want to be here and we don't actually want to help. You know, Jesus, when he hung on the cross, was the greatest servant of all. He hung on the cross and he was jeered. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. People said, come down. You shouldn't be up there. You're supposed to be the Messiah. You're supposed to be conquering the world. But Jesus hung there through gritted teeth saying, hi, I'm here to help. And sometimes serving is like that. Sometimes serving isn't easy. And I think that's why sometimes we do it for a certain amount of time and then we think, I'm just done on that now. I've had enough of that now. I don't want to get involved in that anymore. Or I'll just do a little bit and that will do for me. But you know, this morning, I want to encourage you within the balance of living a healthy life, within the balance of making sure your family and everything you do is healthy and strong, God is calling us to serve and bring about the great commission, the calling that he has on our lives. Are you the sort of person who rocks up to church and says, hi, I'm here to help this morning. I might not have my t-shirt on. I might not have my lanyard on, but I am here to help. I'm here to encourage someone. I'm here to get behind someone. And I'm here to bless somebody's socks off this morning. Because that's what Jesus did when he hung on the cross is the greatest servant of all. And you know, very often, I think volunteering is a real buzz key word at the minute. Everybody wants to volunteer. Volunteering is the cool thing to do. Is cool even a cool word? I don't even know. But volunteering is a good thing to do. People want to volunteer. They have these volunteer of the, work of, of the year awards. All the royal family, if you're into the royals, are all key and up on people who volunteer. They like it. They encourage it. And you know, volunteering is good for your soul. It does you good to give something back. Serving is a whole nother level. Because volunteering is basically giving up your time to do something that you're not paid for. Within the confines of possibly something that you enjoy, something that you're passionate about, something that you believe is important, that you give your time. Maybe it's listening to kids read in a primary school. Maybe it's doing 
some social action project, maybe it's raising money for something, maybe it's getting involved in some sort of thing that goes abroad and works with people there. Volunteering is a great thing to do, but serving is a whole other level because serving takes us to a place where we say, it's not about me. It's about the person and the people that have come here to help. It's not about how I feel. It's not about what's going on with me. It's about actually me fulfilling what God has called me to do on this earth. Jesus was the ultimate servant. He healed the sick. He educated the teachers of the law. And he hung on the cross. And in every single moment he said, Hi, I'm here to help. And we know at times he found it difficult. He sweated blood. That's difficult. When you come to a place where you sweat blood like he did in the Garden of Gethsemane with the thought of the process of going to the cross, that is some serious stress that he was under. But he still, still at that point, when Peter chopped off someone's ear to try and stop them taking it away, hi, I'm here to help, let me just put your ear back on while I wipe my sweaty, bloody brow because I'm that stressed about what I'm going to go and do and serve the world in. So how do we take up our cross and follow him on a daily basis? You're probably all sitting there thinking, I didn't bank in for this this morning, how am I going to get out of here? But you know, I want to encourage you. Serving isn't just about daily toil and wearing yourself in the ground. God loves you. God wants you to have a balanced life. God doesn't want your life to be taken up and taken over by by what you're doing for him. What you're doing for him within your family is just as important. What you're doing for him within your workplace is so important and crucial. What you do for him within church is so important and crucial. Don't feel like I'm standing here this morning and saying, you should serve in church. I'm not. We serve in so many areas and in so many ways. But first and foremost, God wants us to be healthy in how we serve. He wants us to be healthy in how we relate and he wants us to be healthy within ourselves as individuals. But God wants us to serve and I'll tell you why. Because God has got a plan. Since the beginning of time when he created the world, God had a plan and his plan was to be in relationship with you and you and me, and you, and every single one of us. God created Adam and Eve, and he said he walked with them in the quiet and in the shade of the garden. He wanted relationship with them. God wants relationship with us. God wants relationship with people who don't know him. If you're sitting in here this morning, God wants relationship with you. He doesn't want you to just say, yeah, I I know God is. Yeah, I, I believe God's real. God wants a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to help you in each step of your life. He wants to be there and champion you and encourage you. We serve an unstoppable God and he will not be stopped in his efforts to reach those who don't know him. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross because there was people who did not know that he loved them. People who did not know that they were his children. And so he sent Jesus to die on the cross to say, Luke, wait, come There is a way to come. There is a way that you can relate and be loved and be encouraged. And God's plan and God's purpose hasn't changed. 
God still wants to relate. God still wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us, but with each and every person who doesn't know him this morning. And he is unstoppable and relentless in his effort. And the scary thing that I find is that he chooses us as his hands and his feet to fulfill this unstoppable task that he has. And so I have to ask myself, are there times then that I stop this unstoppable God because of how I choose to live my life, because of whether I choose to serve or not, because of whether I choose to share or not this good news? And that is basically what it's about. Serving is about loving one another, is about caring for one another, is about helping one another when we need that help and support, and it's about sharing that good news. Because what better service can you give somebody than to tell them, Jesus died on the cross for you, Jesus forgives your sins, heals all your diseases, and gives you eternal life. What better service can you give to anyone than to share that good news with them? So this morning, I want you to consider and ask yourself, and you may find yourself in one of these two places. One, you may think, I I don't really know where I'm at with God. I I, I might be, well, I'm in church, so I've, I've come to church, so I'm somewhere, but I don't really know where I'm at. Well, that's okay, because this morning you can look at what I'm going to say and the points I'm going to say and think, well... How can I begin on this journey? Do these things that that Sarah's talking about this morning, do these things affect me so that I struggle to then relate to God? Or maybe you're in the other camp and you're like, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I believe in God, yeah, I'm trying to live my life as best I can, but... I know there are things that affect me in my serving, that affect how I let God relate through me, where maybe I am stopping the unstoppable God and with the things that he wants to do because of the things and the way I live my life. And those are the things that I want to talk to you about this morning. I've got three steps for us this morning that I believe that if we all change, and I'm talking to myself, if we all change and grow in these areas, then the way that we serve this world, the way that we serve our families, the way that we serve our streets, the way that we serve in the practical things that we do as well, maybe in church, maybe in society, however you put your hand to the plough, it doesn't matter. But I believe if we can consider these things, then it will change our lives with how we serve and how we help God fulfill that great commission. And now we, as Jesus' hands and feet, take that unstoppable message to the world that needs to know that there is a God in heaven that loves them, that there is a God in heaven who sent his only son to die for them, and that there is a God in heaven who wants to embrace and hold them, heal their diseases, and save them from everything that comes against them. And that doesn't mean life's easy. It doesn't mean everything's hunky-dory. But it means that there is a God who stands with you and holds your hand, even through the darkest of days. So is that okay? Does that make sense? Okay, so my first thing is this, and I don't like this one at all, so I'm going to try and do it really quickly. So step one, attend to your attitude. Yeah. So... When we talk about saying, hi, I'm here to help, sometimes it's like, yeah, hi, I'm here to help. I'm I'm here to help because I've got to. I'm here to help because my husband's come, so I thought I'd better rock up as well. I'm here to help because I'm trying to set an example to my kids, but actually, I really don't want to be here. (laughs) I'm here to help because the Bible says I should. I'm here to help because I'm a good Christian and I need to tick that box on my weekly tick list so that I know I've done everything I should as a Christian. 
And then I'll just go and do what I want the rest of the time once I've ticked all those things. Just me then. It tends to your attitude. I want to look at somebody in the Bible. He's called Jonah. And he makes me feel better about my attitude. Let's put it like this. Um, And some of you will probably know this story. It's a well-known Sunday school story. And I'm just going to read a few bits of it. Um, So we're going to start at Jonah 1, verses 1 to 3. So let me just give you a bit of background. So basically... God had said to Jonah, Jonah, go to Nineveh where there's a load of people doing a load of bad stuff. Tell them that I'm God and I'm going to destroy them unless they stop it. This is what Jonah did. He, Jonah, went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went on board and sailed for Tarshish. Notice where he's sailing to. God said sail to Nineveh. Jonah gets on a boat for Tarshish. To flee from the Lord. Anyone ever feel like fleeing from the Lord? When God says, you could do that, it's you. When someone says from the front, fill a volunteer for me. When someone at work says, could somebody help with this? Could somebody help me sort this out? You know, everyone just goes, I've just got something really interesting on my phone to do right now. When somebody says, will you do the dishes? And you run out and you think, I'm not doing the dishes. When somebody wants you to help with something, you think, oh, I've just got something really important to do. But but God, you know, God wasn't to be stopped. God was not to be stopped. God had a message for Nineveh. God had a message for Nineveh. Just like God's got a message for me and you. Just like God's got a message for the people in your family and in your streets. Just like God has got a message for this world. I love you. God was not to be stopped. So, God being God, set up a huge storm, sent a huge whale. The the, the sailors on the ship were quite scared, so they threw Jonah overboard because they realized the storm was his fault. The whale actually ate Jonah, as they do, and Jonah sat in the belly of the whale for quite a while. Then he prayed to God and said, okay, God, I'm really sorry. So God said, okay, shall we just go back to plan A? Yes, let's do that. That's not exactly what it says, but just bear with me. So the whale, very nicely, vomited Jonah up onto the beach. And this is where we come in again, Jonah 3. Oh no, have I got another one before that? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amite. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away. Oh, we've, um, we're all confused. Let me go to my notes here. It's probably my fault what I've sent. So this storm came. The whale vomited Jonah up afterwards. And this is what happened then. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and, compl- and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Now, some of you may be sitting here and thinking, yeah, well, this is just a a kid's story. Actually, people have been swallowed by whales in more recent history and have been vomited back up by them and have survived. Did you know? 
And actually, when this happens, because of the acid in the whale's stomach, this person would then come out and their skin would be dyed completely white because the acid had affected the colour of the skin. You imagine being in Nineveh in biblical times and there's an extremely bleached white man walking through the city for three days to get to the capital going, God has sent me. Yep, whatever you say, whatever this strange man says we're going to. And you wonder why they repent. You wonder why. So the people of Nineveh actually repent, turn away, they put on sackcloth, they say, oh God, we're so sorry, we're going to live our lives right. And God says, okay, because I love you, I'm not going to do what I said I'm going to do. I'm not going to destroy you, but because you want to relate to me, I'm going to embrace you. And then it's at this point again, Jonah's attitude spurs up. Have we got Jonah 4, 1 to 3? Wonderful. It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That it's, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a God, that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. So Jonah has gone and preached the good news, the people have repented, and then he's completely had a big, massive paddy because he didn't want them to repent, and he didn't want to go there in the first place because he was just like, they should just get blown to smithereens. And sometimes, can't we just be like that? Can't we just have an attitude that says, well, I don't really like those people, so I don't want to go and share the good news to them because I don't want them to come and sit next to me in church. I don't want to invite my friends because then they'll see me in the worship raising my arms and pretending to praise the Lord when they know what I do the rest of the week. You've got to check your attitude. Check your attitude is right. Why do I do what I do? And if your attitude isn't right, just like Jonah's wasn't, where he gets to the point and he wants to die because he's so cross with God for being kind to somebody. Seems quite bizarre, but aren't we just like that sometimes? When something good happens to someone, when something nice happens to someone, sometimes our attitude can stink. Why is that person getting to do that? Why do they get to stand on the stage? Why do they get to lead a ministry? Why does all this get to happen? God's grace and kindness is overflowing above and beyond what we can understand or possibly reason within our own selves. Check your attitude. Check your attitude when it comes to serving. Check your attitude when it comes to sharing that good news. Why don't you want to get involved? That's the question to ask yourself this morning. That one's over now. You can all just take a breath. We'll do the next one. I don't think it's quite as bad myself. So that was step one. Attend to your attitude. And you know, in all honesty, my attitude at times really does stink. 
And Paul will tell you, and I'm sure the girls will as well. And there are times when I don't want to do things and I get cross about things. And I just have to keep taking it back to God and saying, God, help me. God, change me. God, show me. God, help me to love this person. God, help me to be kinder. And you know, the best thing to do when you don't like somebody or where something's difficult is pray for them. Everything that you want to pray for yourself and you want God to do for yourself, pray for that person. It's not a comfortable prayer, but wow, it changes your attitude. Man, it changes your heart. So if there are people that you can't look at, if there are people that you think, I just want to speak to them this morning. I'm going to go all the way around here and get to my seat a different way so I don't have to walk past them. Then pray for them. Because in and through it, God will change your heart. And then all of a sudden, you're able to serve them again. You're able to serve God again. And God can bring refreshing and healing into you through it. Attend to your attitude. The second one is this. Imitate the innovator. Now, an innovator is somebody who creates or brings about something new. Something that's not been done before. And Jesus was the greatest innovator of all. He set a new example. When you look through the whole of the Bible, you read through the Old Testament, and the Old Testament talks about things like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So if someone hurts you, you give back to them just what was given to you. That was what was taught within Jewish culture in the Old Testament. Yet Jesus came and brought a completely new way. Jesus came and brought a completely new innovation to how we should live our lives and how we should love people. We shouldn't just love those who love us, but we should love our enemies because it's only in doing that and as we serve them, as we serve those we don't particularly like, as we serve those who could be our enemies, as we love the unlovable, as we care for those that nobody else cares for, as we lift up those who no one else really wants to touch, it's only in doing that that the good news is spread that Jesus Jesus died on the cross for everybody, not just those who are trendy and not just those who live their lives right and not just those who come to church every week. Jesus died for everybody, no matter how they live their life, no matter what's going on within it, no matter what they smell like or what they look like, Jesus died on the cross for them all and that's what he wants us to communicate with how we live our lives. John 15 Verse 12 says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus commands us to love one another. That's what serving's about. It's about loving one another. It's about serving one another with how we live our lives. It's about kindness and generosity. Regardless of what others do to you, we do the right thing. Be salt and light. Be here to help. Set an example. Be an innovator within your workplace. Be the one who does it differently. Be an innovator within your family. When everyone else bickers and fights, be the one who does something different because it is that that will stand out. It is that act of service that says something different than everything else. Be the innovator within your circle of friends to bring something different for them. Matthew 7 verse 12 says this. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. 
You know, I've probably said this before. My mum and dad brought me up, and this was a saying in our house, and I didn't realise till later years that it was actually in the Bible. And they always used to say, treat others as you want to be treated yourself. And so I live my life trying to do that, but thinking, well, I don't really like them, though. Does that apply to them or just people who I like? But it applies to everybody. It applies to those who hurt you. It applies to those who offend you. It applies to those who get on your nerves. It applies to those people who get right under your skin. It applies to them. Treat them as you wish that they would treat you, even though they don't. And that is the greatest act of service, is to love. Is to love through the difficulties. Is to love through the anger. Is to love through the hatred. It doesn't mean you put yourself in ridiculous positions where you can be completely damaged. But it does mean that you love one another. That you show acts of kindness when you can. How do we be good? How do we be this good servant that Jesus showed us to be? How do we copy what he did where he said, love others like I've loved you? Well, what did he do? He brought healing to our lives. Are there areas and relationships that you can take healing simply by maybe saying sorry? Simply by saying, I love you. Simply by saying, you know, thank you for that. I found it difficult, but thank you. You know, you can be kind, Random acts of kindness where people aren't expecting it. Giving people a word of wisdom because you've been there and you've seen that and you're watching someone struggle and you choose not to say anything. Why don't you go and encourage them and help them? Say, look, I've, I, I don't want to intrude, but I've been where you are. This really helped me. Why don't you try it? Forgiveness. Forgiveness of those enemies, those ones that have hurt you, who don't want to reconcile with you, but otherwise the unforgiveness eats away at you. And bringing joy into all those circumstances when life's hard. And it can be hard. But I believe God can still bring a joy to our times of difficulties. It doesn't mean that we're fake and false. It doesn't mean that we don't have people that we talk to and share our concerns and share our struggles with. Because we need to do that. It's so important that we're real and we share those difficulties. But even in and through it, there's still a joy to be had. There's still a happiness to be had. Dennis Prager says this. Goodness is about character. Integrity, honesty, kindness, generosity, moral courage and the like. More than anything else, it is about how we treat other people. Can I encourage you? Consider how you treat others in your life. Consider those at church, consider those in your workplace, in your family, in your day-to-day life, wherever you find yourself, consider how you treat those other people because that could be the greatest act of service that they ever see, knowing that you are a Christian and allowing God to touch their lives. So the first step is attend to your attitude. The second step, is imitate the innovator. Innovate something new and different within the people you spend time with. The third thing I want to say to you this morning is give grace on top of grace. And you know, so often it's easy to blame. It's easy to be stingy with grace. It's easy to be sneaked by other people and think, well, I'm not going to extend a hand of grace to them. I'm not going to be kinder to them. I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not going to say, oh, it's okay, or, or offer some thanks or help to them. 
But you know, God wants us to extend that grace. God extended his grace when he sent Jesus to die on the cross. And that grace came along and it extended out. And it extended out. God's grace and love and mercy are unstoppable. As long as we continue them on and we be his hands and feet to continue that grace on. How can you continue that grace on to those around you? Grace on top of grace. When it's getting difficult, when you don't want to keep loving, when it's hard to keep serving, when it's hard to keep helping. Grace on top of grace, just like God sent when he sent Jesus. Luke 6 verse 37 to 38 says this. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I just wanted to go into a couple of things there. It talks about a good measure pressed down. And you know, the imagery is, is that of when they, when they used to measure the grain. And they would press it down into the container so it wouldn't hold anymore. They wouldn't just pour it in and say, there you go, that's enough. But they would press it down so that it was getting into every corner and every inch of the pot or the container that it was in. So it was pushed down so they could get more in. So they could fill more in until there was nothing else left in it. That is what God wants to pour out on you. That is what he wants you to pour out on other people. When you think that's enough, it's not. When you think you've loved enough there's more when you think you've forgiven enough there's more when you think you can bring healing into relationship enough there's more to come there's more because God is unstoppable with his love God is unstoppable with his grace God is unstoppable with his with his forgiveness that he can help us with and in the same way he asks us to do the same grace on top of grace when you think it's enough press it down some more and let God pour some more in and it talked about coming into your lap. You know, in biblical times, the dress or, the, or the, the outfit that they would wear would have a pocket in the front of it where, where they would often use to put things in. And that's what it's talking about in this scripture, that it was poured into the lap, which seems an odd thing. Why would you pour it on your lap? But it was actually a pocket that they had in the garments that they would wear. And, you know, I was like, well, why do you want that? So it's on hand, ready. It, the grace is on hand, ready when you need it. The love is on hand, ready when you need it. The forgiveness is on hand, ready when you need it. The healing for relationships is on hand, ready for, you need, for when you need it. If only you'll attend to the attitude that stops you. If only you'll imitate the innovator in bringing new things into your life. Then everything that you need and is provided for because he keeps pouring it out out in you and there is nothing in you that's blocking or stopping the grace and the mercy that's flowing this morning God wants to pour that grace and that mercy and that love and that forgiveness into you again so that the it will be unstoppable in and through your life as you go out into this week 
that nothing can stop you because you're full of his grace, you're full of his love, you're full of his mercy and you're ready to serve and to share and to love those who need loving. You're able to help and say, I'm here to help in this circumstance. I'm here to help within the family where there's struggles instead of thinking, oh, I've had enough of this. I can't cope anymore. I'm just not going to go. But actually say, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to be a light. I'm going to be a love in that place. I'm going to say, yes, I'll help and I'll serve and I'll do these different things. Because God has got an unstoppable plan to let people know that he loves them. And are we here to help him and be his hands and feet? Or are we causing blockages because of the things that we refuse to do? It's above and beyond Let's not stop what God is providing through us as we look to serve others. If the band want to come and join me. You know, when you look in the Old Testament, there's a couple of books, one and two chronicles, and they're full of genealogies. Basically talking about such and such, the son of 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 such and such. And I'm not going to try and read all the names because they're really difficult. But in 1 Chronicles 4, where there's a list of the, some of the clans of Judah, and it talks about the descendants of Judah, Perez, Hezron, and it goes on. And there's a whole list, this genealogy that goes down for about eight verses. And then all of a sudden it stops. And in 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10, we get this. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. And why do I share that with you as I close this morning? I share it because of this. Jabez is this fascinating interlude in the midst of a huge series of genealogies in 1 Chronicles. And why? Why is it there? Why doesn't it just say, and Jabez, son of such and such, and then list all of his children? It doesn't. It tells you something because there was something different about him. He had a different attitude. He was willing and ready to innovate in the face of what had been laid at his feet. His name meant pain, but he didn't want that to be his life. He wanted to innovate and bring something different. He didn't allow the label that had been stamped on him to cause him to have an attitude and to cause him to think, well, I'm in pain, so I'm going to really do a good job of it then. Come on. He chose to be different. He chose to have a different attitude. He chose to ask God for help and invite him in. And that always shows a good attitude when we, when we say to God, God, I can't do this. I need you. God, I can't cope anymore. Please help me. When we do that, it shows a sign of a great attitude or a great attitude in the making. When we look at doing and being something different, says, oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that you would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. He wanted to innovate something different than the name that had been stamped on him. 
This morning, I want to tell you that there is a God in heaven who says that you can innovate something different in your life. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your family background is. It doesn't matter what has happened to you or been caused to happen to you. It doesn't matter what you have chosen to do in and through your life. This morning, God says that you can innovate something different if you will look to serve Him with your life, that you can innovate grace and mercy and goodness and kindness that God will bless you that God will enlarge your territory that God will provide for you that God will be with you grace on top of grace on top of grace where you think I can't do it where you think there is no more for me where you think I'm at the end of my tether and there is nothing left in me to give anymore God wants to pour in grace on top of grace on top of grace and to keep pouring that good measure pressed down when you think you can't get any more in God wants to press it down and say here's some more have some more grace have some more mercy have some more love have some more forgiveness for that person who just keeps coming around needing some more God is an unstoppable God God has an unstoppable plan not only for your life but for the lives of those around you and this morning I want to encourage you if you lay your attitude at his feet and allow him to heal and save you if you allow him to be the innovator who helps you to bring newness into your life and into your family then grace on top of grace will pour into you and it will pour out of you and we will be able to serve just like Jesus did we will be able to say in and through all circumstances hi I'm here to help I'm here to help in that family gathering where everything always goes wrong and we always have a big fight because I'm going to go and be love in that place I'm here to help in my workplace where everyone bickers and fights and people steal things and bad things go on I'm here to help in my family where people don't even talk to each other I'm here to help because God has poured everything you need onto your lap, ready at hand, pressed within the garment of righteousness that he's placed upon you so you can throw out that love and that grace and that unforgiveness whenever it is needed. God is an unstoppable God and my prayer this morning is God be unstoppable through me don't let my attitude and my lack of innovation stop what he's calling us to do stop us being able to share that God is the best news on this planet nothing is impossible when we allow the God of the unstoppable in and through us those people who you think they're never going to change that family member who you think they're never going to get well that person who you think they're never going to become a Christian I'm telling you now nothing is impossible for the God of the unstoppable